0: All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Ados Podcast. I'm your host Christian, and we have your other host Elijah Neuris Holiday. What's going on, everybody? And we want to thank you for tuning in to the Ados Podcast. Make sure you check us out on Podcast—I mean, on Apple Podcasts at the Ados Podcast, on Facebook at the Ados Podcast, on YouTube, and you guessed it, at the Ados Podcast. So we have. Um, A guest speaker today. But before we get into our guests, I'm going to have Elijah do some opening words.
1: Yeah, it's been a crazy week. Um, As you all know, the trial for the impeachment of Donald Trump, the second trial of the impeachment of Donald Trump has begun. And a lot of people have mixed feelings about it. Um, My thing is, it just needs to happen just so we don't set that precedent that the president can do whatever they like on the way out of office and there's no consequences consequences and repercussions. Uh, we just have to uphold some type of legal precedent and just let that person know in that office that they are gonna be held to a high standard and they are bound by the laws of our constitution and our nation. So that's really what I've been just Honestly, exploring this last week and then also just doing more community work, man. I think everyone thinks because we got a new president now that all of the problems in our community has just magically disappeared, and that's not the case. In fact, a lot of people are still struggling to this day um, trying to get through this pandemic. So, man, it's been a busy week, <laughs> and I also want to encourage everyone just to continue to learn and continue to reach out to your neighbors. Make sure that you're doing your part to make sure uh, we're caring for one another and Try to learn as much as you can, especially during this Black History Month, man. Um, I actually started a new book called "The Four Date Laws of Black Empowerment." Um, I have it with me. I'll probably share a passage out of it towards the end of the podcast. But check that out when you get a chance. Some good
0: information in there. So, and that's really good information. Thank you, Elijah. And yes, Happy Black History Month, everyone. Uh, in order for us to get real systemic change, we have to continue to do it. The work does not stop here. So we do have an amazing guest. Uh, joining us on our studio today and we have a former nfl player for the green bay packers daryl thompson how you doing daryl
2: doing well thank you guys for bringing me in this afternoon on a nice chilly chilly afternoon
0: <laughs> it is very cold it is a chilly afternoon so daryl we, we're just going to get into it how much money did you lose betting on the chiefs <laughs> in the Super Bowl? we're just going to jump <laughs> at it
2: hey i'll tell you what um i have a job um broadcasting football i've been doing that for the last 22 or 23 years for the university of minnesota and one thing i know from being a former running back uh and a football player and a broadcaster is that you when you do not have uh, an offensive line or you have injuries in your offensive line it can make for a really long day so i did not put any money on the kansas city chiefs as much as i think uh patrick mahomes is a musician he's a great quarterback he's um got a bright future in the NFL. If he doesn't have time to pass, get the ball downfield, it's going to be a long day at the office. I thought the game would be closer than it was, but um, I wasn't terribly surprised when you, when you don't have time, uh, it makes for a, a long day at the office.
0: <laughs> I, I agree you got anything you want to add <laughs> well
1: especially when you're going up with a seasoned vet like Tom Brady <laughs> uh, and I was looking at some of the statistics with Tom Brady so he's been in the league for what like 20 years I think one season he sat out the complete year so let's say 19 and I think he's visited the Super Bowl 10 times in his career
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean to me that's just phenomenal I mean
0: o- over half of your career and some you've been to the Super Bowl so he's a seasoned vet and like no one, other. And one, seven out of ten. So that's really hard to do. Daryl. I'm sure you know that's really hard to do.
2: Most people don't get to the Super Bowl. You know, it's a, the hardest thing. I never got to the Super Bowl. I played in the NFL for almost six years. And uh, it's a really, really difficult um, uh, game to get to. You got to win. You got to be healthy. You got to have all things right. So to win, um, you know, almost half of his career. Yeah, he's been in the NFL for a little over twenty years, and um, you know he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, quarterbacks of all time. So, him having him on the uh, opposing offense uh, didn't help
0: anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, not
1: at all absolutely not uh, great quarterback uh, good game I also wish it was closer <laughs> I didn't bet any money although if I did it was going to be on uh, definitely Tom Brady um and I, I was just telling people like if I do bet it's on Tom Brady I don't I don't care about the other players anything I'm not going to bet against Tom <laughs> Brady ever I'm um, just a bad decision so Daryl uh Mr. Thompson thank you for joining us uh would you mind just telling the audience who you are
2: well, I mean, um, Daryl Thompson, you know, that's my, that's my name. And I've been um, moved to Minnesota when I was a kid. My, my parents are from the South. My mom's from Mississippi. My dad's from St. Louis, Missouri, and they felt like Rochester would be a good place. My dad had, a, was an engineer and that's how we got to Rochester. And both my parents were um, extremely athletic. So that was, um, you know, they blessed me with the, with the athletics uh, um, genetically and also they were very, very community service minded. We, my parents had other kids in our houses. My, uh, my mom was a volunteer. My dad was a volunteer. So that's been, um, it's been in my blood uh, since I was a kid and I was lucky enough to um, be able to earn a scholarship to play football at the university of Minnesota. And I played there for four years and got drafted by the green Bay Packers and played there for, um, five years. And I started working part-time for the, uh, Minneapolis JC's charitable foundation and Boulder Options and that grew to a, uh, a full-time position um a few years uh, probably about 8 or 9 months after I got done playing pro ball and I've been here since so this is my 26th year uh with the organization and uh my wife and I have four kids and we have our first granddaughter about uh 7 months ago so um you know I've been uh, very blessed
0: yeah congratulations yeah, yeah, yeah. on becoming the yeah, yeah. grandpa like what is that like
2: uh you know what's funny it's it's pretty nice because it's uh i I've, I've only been a parent you know i've been a parent for 28 years and when you're a parent you got the full-time gig so you got um you know you you are you got to feed them you got to bathe them you got to change diapers you got everything and then when you become a grandparent it cuts down um, on everything significantly. So, you know, my, my daughter works with me here at Boulder options. She's in one day a week, she brings the baby in. I hold the baby, you know, for maybe 10 or 15 minutes out of the day, hey, she's got to go to the bathroom or change her, or put her down for a nap, you know, that's it. But uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing being a, um, a grandparent and uh, uh, it's just fun really is really, uh, it's a lot of fun because my, uh, my daughter and her husband, they're, they're good parents. So I'm not worried. You know, it's it's mostly just fun, just holding her and um, playing with her. And uh, she doesn't do much yet, but she's starting to crawl now. So it's just getting uh, more and more engaging.
1: And the beautiful thing yeah, is, yeah. and you mentioned it, you get to spend the time with the kids, do your thing with them, and then send them back off to their parents when you're, <laughs> when you're tired of it.
2: Well, you know what? I haven't even gotten tired of her because we haven't even got to that level yet. You know, I we're just at the level where you just, you hold her for, you know 10 minutes 15 minutes maybe a half hour and you know when they're still six seven months there's just not a lot you know we're not doing any overnights yet or anything like that so we're not even i haven't even got anywhere close to being uh tired of um or not tired but we're like i'm like oh my god what did i get into so we're um you know it's all it's in the very very fun stage right now
0: yeah i'll give you i'll give you two years for that one and we'll see if you're still in the fun stages which i'm sure you're going to be because you're awesome uh, another question I got, we're we're about to get deep into this because, you know, I want the people to know like what you stand for, you know, not as just a former athlete, but just as a person. So what has life been like for you post-NFL and what's new besides being a grandpa?
2: Well, I mean, post-NFL, it's a transition. You know, one thing that um, that I loved quite honestly about um, football, you know, number one, especially professional football, you have, you have a nice salary. But you also depend on yourself, and I, as I was, this everything for all the head. You got to be, you know, you got to be smart and all that to play football. But it was, um, it was, it was me, and it was how if if I was in condition, if I was in shape, if I was doing my job, I can maintain my job, and it, that was a blessing. The transition when you get out of football is all the other um, uh, outside influences. The um, the demands, the, then you, you you have kids, so there's, it's been a, the transition in the first was challenging because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't physical, you know, it's a, it's an emotional, it's uh, getting used to, um, uh, uh, I wouldn't even call it a nine to five, because nobody, there's no such thing, you know, at least in my world, you know, I work from, sometimes it's eight o'clock to eight, nine ten o'clock at night, and sometimes it's nine to five, and sometimes it's eight o'clock in the morning till midnight, so you never know exactly what's going on, but, you uh, you get into that flow and then you just, you know, you, you decide. And I I, I knew I wanted to do something with youth and something with uh, community and Boulder options has been that vehicle for me for the last 25, 26 years. And I've seen uh, birthdays, graduations. um, I've held babies of kids that have uh, um, graduated from our program and we get, uh, we get notes and we get calls and people stop by the building. So the, um, impact of our organization and the mentors and our staff on young people has uh has been phenomenal
1: you know i I was i was reading about voter options and i saw that you all um do mentoring for a year long process You, you all meet with the the mentees once a week for an entire year if not longer than that so to me, that immediately was like they're establishing deep, extensive relationships with these young people, um, relationships that need to be established, right? A lot of these young people, I'm assuming, don't have mentorship in their life. They don't have people that they can look up to and look uh, and seek guidance from. What is that like? Just to have that impact on someone's life?
2: Well, I think you you hit on something um, there, and it's the depth of the relationship. So we're getting together one many times, two times per week over the course of the year. And that's, you know, 45 or 50 meetings and uh, we're setting goals and uh, we're talking about nutrition and goal setting and anger management and financial literacy. So all those topics happen over the course of a year. And what really happens, you end up building a relationship um, two people that care about each other um, far more than they originally, um, you know, planned on. And it's a, um, We call it, you know, um, one year, two lives changed. Mm -hmm. And really, it's even more than that because it's um, the community, it's the family and everyone. And um, typically, our our young people, um, they're graduating from high school, they're going on to um, post-secondary, they're getting education, and uh, they become productive citizens. And the main reason is because someone, a positive adult role model got involved in their life. And uh, typically, it's more than one. Typically, it's two. While you're here, you got a program manager, you got your mentor, and you have other influences on you that are positive. And uh, once somebody has that, the world is their oyster.
1: How difficult has it been to interact with folks through Zoom meetings and Google Hangout and just these other online platforms, not being able to have that physical connection anymore and have to transition to completely online how has that been like for you and your staff
2: it's been a challenge you know but it's also um just something that we've had to adjust just like everyone you know you you get better at it you learn how to you know position your background you learn how to connect to the internet either on your phone a tablet or a a computer and then um you just have to um you just got to deal with it you know and uh, take the time to be patient and to to maintain a relationship like that, and we've also done as much in person uh, as you can. You know, we had uh, some mentors and a mentor or mentee that come, so we can have you know like one person in the building at a time or two people. We can have I think up to three people. We have, our building is big. enough to have is up to three different pairs in the building at one time. So we'll we'll do some in person stuff, and then we've done uh we did a lot of outside stuff you know up until probably about um, a little over a month ago so and then we'll probably start those up here at the end of this month and um, early march those things will come back too so it's really just about um making the best of a really uh difficult situation and um, having some fun with it
1: absolutely Absolutely. Um, how you all been addressing the the lack of technology and some of the households in the community has that been a huge issue for you just kids not having access to internet and, and technology
2: Well, quite honestly, we attack it head on, you know, and um, and even to my, um, I wouldn't say my dismay, I'm actually impressed that one of my coworkers, um, the young guy, he actually went and helped um, the family set up their router at their house. He just went over there, put a mask on and said, hey, we just got to get this set up. You know, so we, so we'll do it ourselves sometimes if we have to, we have helped provide tablets, we provided headphones so that people can at least kind of you know, have a little bit. If they have a, a tighter quarters, they can put the headphones on. They can either get in a corner or go to a room or somewhere else and be able to um, be a part of what's going on. So you, we just try to be um, as uh, engaging and helpful as possible through this uh, very, very challenging time with uh, with the COVID.
1: That's amazing. I love that you guys attack the problem head on and just get in, and just get the work done.
0: You guys don't make any excuses. Um,
1: that's that's amazing. Honestly, it's commendable.
0: Yeah, it shows lots of character. And to me, it shows more than just, you know, a community. Like mentoring is something, in my opinion, that's like underestimated, you know, because a lot of people don't really tax it as like a tangible resource. But I think of mentoring as like a lifelong partnership. You know, we all have mentors, Daryl. I'm sure you have mentors. Elijah, I know you have mentors. Uh I have mentors and I learn from all of them. Sometimes you have one, sometimes you have two. I have about twenty. <laughs> and and the yeah, reason he's why he's not have, kidding either. <laughs> yeah, I am I am not kidding. I have twenty. And the reason why is because each one of my mentors have something that I can learn from them and something that I can take with me into the real world. And Daryl, you know you're one of my mentors. Like we talk all the time. You just hey, you know, how much bottles of gallons of water did you drink today? And I'm like, five, when really I drank none. So I, I know Daryl would get on me, but it's something about, I, I want the audience and our viewers and listeners to know that mentoring is important in our community. And, you know, all the great people we look at, whether they're athlete, whether they're a politician, whether they're artist, whatever field they're in, they had somebody that pushes them and positively influenced their life.
1: And, and, you know, I, I want to elaborate a little bit on what you were just hitting at, Christian. The A key piece for mentoring, for me at least, is that accountability piece, right? I know you just made a joke um, about Daryl calling you up, <laughs> asking you about your water intake. But that's a serious thing, though, right? It's, it's that accountability piece. You say you're going to set a goal. You say you want to do something. When well, I was your mentor, it's my responsibility now. I'm taking on that responsibility to make sure you live up to that. And honestly, my mentors have done that for me. I mean, at numerous points in my, you know, in undergrad, I want to drop out just for just dealing with life, my mom being sick and stuff happening at home. And, you know, things happening with my dad's businesses, whatever it was, mm-hmm. they always held me together, you know, and said, Elijah, you set this goal that you want to graduate college. Don't let anything else that happens to your life deter you from that. It was that accountability piece that I needed. And I feel like a lot of our young people need that. Daryl, what are, what are some important tenets to mentoring that that you see or that you value?
2: I think one of the most important um, pieces that I value or a tenant would be consistency, you know, and um, also you have to be patient. I wish that everyone would say, hey, you know what, um, Christian, you should drink, um, you know, 12 cups of water a day. And he's like, yeah, all yeah, right, you know, and he probably doesn't, you know, but sometimes he drinks 12 cups, sometimes he drinks 10 cups, sometimes he drinks 15 But it's also just about being consistent with with your mentor, when it's accountability, whether it's um, being frustrated that they didn't do their homework or they showed up late or they didn't call you back because um, life gets in the way and everyone doesn't have um, a bunch of positive role models involved in their life. So it's about accountability, um, being there for that individual and helping them um, uh, live their life. And then, you know, we talked about it earlier, Elijah, a lot of it's about listening. You know, a lot of times, um, one of the most important things that a, that a mentor can do is actually listen to the mentee, to the goals that he or she wants to set and say, hey, you know what, that sounds like a great idea. Or, hey, have you ever thought about this? You know, I remember one of my uh, first young men that I work with um, really wanted to buy a gun to protect himself. And then I sat down or we sat down together and he talked about, you um, i just said why do you want to have a gun and he went through all the reasons and then you know after about 15 minutes he goes actually i don't think i need a gun probably not a good idea but he he arrived there himself all i did was listen for 15 minutes 20 minutes i go to lunch it might have been a full hour but i listened i was kind of like, in my head i'm like i just want to say Man, that hitting a gun is like the dumbest thing you can do but i was like well tell me why you want to get a gun and he explained all of it to me and then he was like actually i don't think i should so listening is powerful.
1: And, and you're right. We did speak on that right before we started the podcast. And it's something that I value, you know, as a continued learner, as a, a lifelong learner is listening. And I feel like a lot of our young people need to do a lot more of that. And our elders need to do a lot more talking so we can listen and have something of substance to listen to. Uh, so, again, I, I commend what you all are doing at Boating Options. And, and certainly you, um, having met you, having listened to you now, uh, I know that you're a good mentor because you also prioritize listening. And, you know, we can really solve a lot of our problems if we just do that one very basic thing or what should be a basic thing is listening to
2: one another. <laughs> or be willing to try something new. You know, I think that's, it's always um, it's interesting to... Um, to watch and to see, uh, even as our organization's grown, I have learned things from um, young employees that are uh, core to what we do right now. We had one young man who goes, hey, you know what I really want to do, Daryl? I want to cook with the kids. This is like 14 or 15 years ago, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, that sounds like a lot. He goes, yeah, we're gonna give them knives or stuff, but each, everyone's gonna have a station, we're gonna have the oven. I was like, that sounds dangerous, you know? And, um, but I said, you know what, Nick? You're going to be safe. You're going to have you know people in there, volunteers, a couple of your other you know coworkers with you, and it ended up being one of the best things we've ever done. You know, we we the kids learn how to cook. They learned the importance of you know cleaning their food, um, how to be uh, careful and safe with with knives, about um, cooking temperatures, the simmer, the boil, the how long, and all those different pieces. And it gave them confidence in the kitchen, uh, and also they realized that they could save money um, cooking food on their own. And now it's something we do um, every quarter. It's not even, it's just a totally normal piece of what we do. And we've added nutrition to it and a cooking class and learning about cooking from, from, from other cultures. So now it's a whole big deal. But in my head, I was like, Oh, I don't know, but you know what, let's try it. Um, you know, and it's been one of the best things we've ever done.
1: So that started off as just an idea that you're originally skeptical about. And then it transpired into what sounds like a complete program now that you guys are
2: offering. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, absolutely! Beautiful. Yeah, and nutrition and uh, cooking is part of uh, what we do at Builder Ops, just to give the kids an opportunity to see what they can do in the kitchen, uh, realize you know, hey, let's chop up an apple, need. Hey, let's have some apple and some cheese. Talk about nutrition. Talk about the importance of drinking water. So, I mean, Christian, you get on me about, or I get on you about drinking water, but it's uh, it's important. It's vital. I do uh, drink it's a lot of water. Some important things that uh, people <laughs> don't do that can solve probably about half of your health problems can be solved by increasing your water intake from your uh, digestion to headaches and everything else.
1: And you're absolutely right. about that. I recently started working out again and I also need to increase my water intake, especially after extensive workout, intensive workouts. So I did squats today. My plan is to finish a gallon of water today. I should have brought my water bottle. I left it in the car rushing in, (laughs) but I should have brought my water bottle so I can be getting my, my ounces in. But I'm definitely trying to uh, establish that routine of drinking more water. It is important.
0: Yeah, nutrition is important. And I I do joke, Daryl, when you message me, I I definitely have my water. Sometimes it's like 12 right after that message. It's like, oh, I didn't have my water today. But, you know, I, I love the accountability piece because you're not obligated. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe anybody anything. Uh, well, except Boulder Options, but <laughs> so you, you, owe the kids and the, you know, the young adults at Boulder Options, but to to get that, it is powerful because not only does it say, yeah, you know, take care of your health, it says I care about you, you know, like I I care about you, I see what potential you have, and that's why you never asked to be a mentor, but I kind of categorized you as a mentor because it's ongoing, consistent you know, nudges and budges to continue to do what I'm doing.
1: And, and you know, and I I like that you just told that story and, and, and you explain you all's relationship because I feel like I gain more out of a mentorship relationship when it just develops organically. Right. I've had mentors in, you know, middle school and stuff that were kind of forced on me. And I just could not open up to those people. I didn't have a connection with those people. It just never transpired into anything great. And then I got to high school and I had these people come in and, you know, they just wanted to know about my life. They wanted to know what I was interested in. They wanted to know my goals. They wanted to know how they can support me. And those relationships just slowly turned into a mentorship relationship, right? But originally it was just them having conversations with me versus me getting assigned to a mentor and just us not even being able to have a simple conversation because it was just like, dude, I don't even know you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um. They're also either president now, voter options. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, we know that comes with increased responsibilities and duties. Um, all that I know you're very capable of, (laughs) of handling and doing, and you're already doing some great work. What has been some difficult things transitioning into that role though?
2: Well, I didn't start out as president. I started out as a, uh, you know, a program person working in the front line and then a little by little, um, was able to escalate to this position and a lot of it's just by um, trial and error um, by fault and i think probably the hardest thing um and i've learned it, i have to embrace it uh, uh for me at least was was fundraising you know i was i said i just want to um i want to work with the young people i want to talk to them i want to mentor them i want to try to show them a, a better maybe more healthy way and uh, that. The, the fundraising piece was something I learned I had to um, grow into, I had to mature, I had to be comfortable in my own um, shoes, my own skin to be able to communicate with people, the importance of supporting um, an organization and our organization. And um, I've gotten better at it over the years. I'm not, I still have a ways to go, but I've gotten a lot better and a lot more comfortable with it because it's, uh, It's important, you know, and one of my uh, mentors said, um, no money, no mission, and uh, he's right. People will come out for a little while and help out, you know, Though, but uh, if you don't have the ability to, um, you know, to to pay people, it becomes unsustainable, and uh, we don't, we just don't want to have that. We want to have bolder options here for the long haul
1: definitely agree I'm having a non-profit of my own um, it is difficult to secure grants and, and make sure that you have donations coming in and it is an uncomfortable thing having to shake people down for money uh, but when you're producing great results you know people just want to give and I know Christian's okay with this and if you're okay with it I I want you to just tell the audience, you know, why they should contribute, why they should support what y'all are doing at Border Options. We hope to use this video as a marketing tool for you, potentially, at least this segment of it. So if you want to, in less than two minutes or whatever, tell folks why they should donate, where they can donate, and what y'all's mission is and what you're trying to accomplish. I I mean, I I think that can go a long ways in, in us helping you get some more dollars
0: your way. Or, and before you answer really quick, Daryl, and also really, you know, enrolling your kids into the programming itself, because that is, is special and that's something that can never be taken away from them once they become a part of the Boulder Options team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, you know, it's two minutes is, um, I'll, do, I'll do my best. You know, I think our goal, number one, is to introduce kids to a healthy lifestyle through running, biking, tutoring, and homework. And the reason I think it's important is because you know we have a, the largest achievement gap in the United States right here in Minnesota. Boulder Options closes that achievement gap. Boulder Options is part of the pipeline from a, a, a middle school, high school, college to career. And we have um, young ladies and young men that are uh, in corporate America and in the private sector and the nonprofit sector and in college that are successful. And you're also preventing people from going down the wrong path. And every youth that we save uh, from going down that path saves our community over two million dollars just in lost um, wages, court costs, um, all those things. I mean it costs like seventy to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year to have someone locked up. It costs like thirty five hundred bucks for someone to go through our program. So, you know, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. So, uh, a program like ours or a lot of other programs, there's a lot of wonderful programs in, community, in our in the art community. So, to support us or someone else in the community is uh extremely important and uh you're paying it forward.
1: Okay? That I think you did great.
0: <laughs> I think you did great. Yeah, that I'm I'm just like because I'm learning so much and I'm I'm quite familiar but it's like Every time I get new information about this program, I'm, like, inspired myself. And it's like, okay, we really have to get the, world, you know, the word out. And, Elijah, Minneapolis, you know, that's, that's you. you yeah. You're aware of voter options now. You, you know, you get, get involved. And, and now actually that we're talking,
1: um, so I, I was doing some work at the legislature right before COVID-19 hit and everything switched to, you know, working from home. And I actually gave a presentation with one of my colleagues, Jason Chavez, who worked at the legislature at that time as well. And we talked with a group of youth who came in with voter options. Now that I think about it, um, that was actually the group that came in. And they had about, I think, 20 to 25 young people at the Capitol that day wow. and we were talking to them just about what it was like to work in the legislature and, you know, Jason's 26, I'm 24. So as young people being around a lot of older people, the responsibilities and duties that we had and ways that they can get involved at a young age and the policy process and in the political um, atmosphere as well so it was great actually being able to talk with those young people and voter options actually brought them in so
2: <laughs> it's kind of part of what we talk about um that i think is very very important is the um our young people to see that to see you elijah to see um someone like christian to um be able to meet the other of uh, the other folks and be able to walk the halls of the um of the capitol of the state buildings um because then they if you can't, if you don't ever get to see it, then you'll never think that you can be it. And you can be the next, um, you know, Keith Ellis. You can be the next uh, Governor Walz. You can be the next, um, uh, you know, President of the United States. You know, so I think you you have to see and feel. And that's one of our goals at Boulder Options that we provide as many experiences. We have kids go to the Boundary Waters. We have kids go to the Capitol. We've had kids go to Washington D.C. We've had, um, you know, kids testify and do all kinds of different things. So. To get them in that environment and to get them um, comfortable speaking is uh, very, very important.
1: It's about that exposure, right? So a little bit about my story. I I was born in Chicago, Illinois, on the south side, Englewood. And I traveled back and forth between Rockford and Chicago. Rockford is a small town outside of Chicago, about 75 miles. Maybe you're familiar, maybe you're not. Um, But uh, both of those environments were terrible. Um, Drugs, violence alcohol, uh, generational trauma, anything you can think of, I experienced at a very young age. So my perception of life was already at a disadvantage compared to everyone else, right, that wasn't living in that environment. And when my father took us in and moved us to Minnesota with him after a long custody battle with my mother for years, we moved to White Bear Lake. So imagine (laughs) going from the (laughs) south side of Chicago in Englewood to White Bear Lake, Minnesota, culture shock I experienced. I mean, you know, only black guy on the football team, only black guy on the track team. Um, oftentimes the only black kid in the classroom. I, when I first came to Minnesota, I was in sixth grade. I had the reading and comprehension of a fourth grader. And I talk about that all the time because I was severely disadvantaged. And when I got here, my dad just started enrolling us into basketball, track, football, Eventually, I would go, you know, get into the eighth grade, and I got my first job at a golf course where I got to talk with doctors, lawyers, pediatricians, um, businessmen, real estate agents, you know, because it was, a, it, was, it was a yacht club. So, these are people who had prestigious careers. They're, you know, these are affluent people. And just being introduced to that, right, being in that different environment, that exposure, to me, it just was like, dude, you can do these things. You could become somebody. You can, you know be in this position just like this guy next to you is. Um, And the difference is your mind, right? And had I stayed in Chicago, I don't think I would honestly be alive, to be honest with you, Um, or probably in jail. A lot of my friends that I grew up with in Chicago and Rockford aren't alive or they're in jail. So, I mean, just having that exposure piece, what you mentioned, is just so important for our young people. We got young people in St. Paul that's never left their community. We got young people in Minneapolis that have never left Minneapolis. They don't know what other places are like. They haven't experienced it yet. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, experience is uh, not only the best teacher. One of my mentors says it's the only teacher.
0: Yeah, that I like that. that that is powerful. And I know Daryl, we're gonna go ahead and um, get ready to get you out of here. But this is gonna be your exit ticket. What do you want our viewers and listeners to know? What is some advice or you know like just something what do you think our viewers and listeners should should know
2: well i think the probably the most important thing to me um were and i think we saw it in this last election is that every um every life matters every vote matters um and people need to show up and i think that you know when you when people show up um show that they care and want to be part of the solution then um we can we can make this world a better place, and hopefully, we'll continue with that.
1: Wow, that was powerful! Uh, and, and just to throw a beautiful cherry beautiful on top of that, beautiful cake you just baked for us. <laughs> um, our sister Leslie Redmond, former president of the NWCP chapter here in Minneapolis, says, "Don't complain, activate." And I, I love that. I try to say, I try to use that phrase as much as possible. Always giving credit to her. But don't complain, activate.
2: We we know well, that- the other thing. I think Elijah that maybe the most important piece for me is to show up. You know, when you show up, people are like, oh, then you'll have a voice, you'll have an opportunity, um, anything from uh, your student council at school to, um, you know, the election at the, the state level or on the national level. But if you don't show up, then you're just like, well, I wonder why there's no um, jelly beans in the, um, you know, candy machine. Well, you know, and you when you didn't show up. You know, so, you know, I don't know, you got to eat M&Ms, or you got to eat something else. So you show up, then you, maybe you'll get what you want. You got a shot, at least you have a voice, you can rally, you know, get some other votes. Maybe you can have your Skittles or something else, you know, but if you don't show up, you don't get the Skittles and it goes all the way from not getting Skittles to not being able to, uh, to vote or to, uh, redistricting and changing the lines, uh, that make it, uh, challenging to, 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 uh, to move through with legislation.
0: All right. Yeah, that that's important. And before we get you out of here, just really quickly, I want you to know, Daryl, that over at voter Options, you have the next voter Option president within your program. So I'm just going to throw that out there. You, it's. I'm going to give you homework. You'd like to hold me accountable for water. You identify which mentee is in that program that wants to be the next Daryl Thompson and even better.
2: Oh, I've identified a few of them. It'll be interesting to see who it is. It's going to be um, all I, of them. I, I believe, I've said it at many graduations that that's my goal, that... Uh, a young lady or young man is um, sitting in my seat one day, and uh, they got whatever floats their boat as decorations in their office, and uh, they're running the whole ship. So I'm I'm sure um, that'll happen one day. Okay, Thanks, Christian, I appreciate it.
0: I appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Hopefully, and thank you for taking the time to join us on the Eight Podcast, sir. I really appreciate the insight, the wisdom. And and just overall being able to meet you, so thank you, Christian, also for making the connection.
2: Of course, of course, thank you, Daryl. All right, we'll be in touch, Elijah and uh, Christian. Of course, great to see both you guys. Thanks yep. a lot for having yep. me
1: on. Well, everyone, we had Daryl Thompson join us, former uh, Green Bay Packer running back for five years. Um, great guy. Now the president of Boulder Options, a community-based mentoring program. They have a lot of great initiatives, a lot of great programs that they have going on. Please support them if you can. Um, I will give you all the information that you need to find out what Boulder Options is up to. You can log on to www.boulderoptions.org. Again, that is www.boulderoptions.org. Please donate, sign up to be a mentor. If you got potential mentees or someone in the community that you know that can benefit from having a mentor, Get them connected, right? We all have a responsibility to make sure our community have the resources that they need to be empowered and uplifted. And that's the entire mission of the ADOS podcast. That's what we do.
0: That is exactly (laughs) what we do. And we just want to thank you guys for supporting, listening, and viewing and sharing. We strongly encourage everyone to continue to uplift this podcast because we are for the community and we are the ADOS podcast. Peace.